Hello, everyone, and welcome to Animation Composed, a new podcast series brought to you by Squiggly Online Animation Magazine, exploring the harmonious relationship between music and animation. everyone welcome to the first in a new podcast series technically i suppose it's the second uh this follows our animation composed special that we put out toward the end of last year uh, but i guess this marks the first outing as a series proper i'm ben mitchell squiggly managing director and uh, king of beards and indeterminate accents <laughs> i'm joined by squiggly contributor and animator slash composer wes allard how you doing sir very well. How are you, Ben? Okay, okay. Recording this on the weekend, so I'm recuperating from the week, which is uh, becoming increasingly more of an endurance test. I haven't really caught up with you in a while, but I've been working in a different country Yes. for a little while, commuting basically every day out of England into Wales. And um, yeah, that kind of takes its toll. It's a great job. You know, I'm a big fan of the work once I get there. It's the getting there that is kind of killing me mm. at the moment. But all told, it's been pretty good. You know, there's been uh, a lot going on outside. There's been, you know, a bunch of festivals, the Greb, Annecy. Unfortunately, we missed you there this year. I know, I know. And recently I did this thing with the Cardiff Animation Festival team. Yeah, lots on, lots on. And also I'm getting married <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Yes, well. So um, that's uh, pretty much filling in all of the other gaps. However, Laura's sorting out wedding dress stuff today. Gives me a little bit of a window to uh, kick off our new podcast. Well, I can publicly wish you congratulations now, Ben. Thank you, sir. It'll be great. It's uh, it's a it's a good time overall. It's just so ridiculously busy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so why not add a new podcast series onto the pile of stuff to do? Exactly, exactly. This actually has been bubbling away for a while. I think that when we did the special uh, a while back now, it uh, certainly the the response from people was pretty enthusiastic and pretty positive. And I think that there was either going to be the idea of bringing it back as like a annual thing or a more regular thing. And I just sort of feel like the idea of it as a regular series or at least, you know, several episodes strand per Mm -hmm. year kind of thing. Just one out, you know. Definitely. I mean, music is a huge part of animation, huge part of film, huge part of culture and human life in general. I would say. Um, and yeah, it needs that. I think we need to talk more about it and, you know, um, explore it more and make it more accessible to everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's it's good to have this kind of harmony between the visual side of animation and the music and to be able to explore that in all the many different ways it's used. So uh, yeah, I hope this goes on for a long time, Ben. Indeed. And kicking this episode off was the first of several wonderful pieces we'll be hearing composed by this episode's guest, Mattia Alvado, from the recent Nexus film To Build a Fire, directed by FX Gobi and adapted from the short story by Jack London about a misguided hiker and his husky making his way through the Yukon Trail and braving the elements to his increasing peril. It's a brilliantly directed and animated film, and as you can tell, the music for it is quite something. So as with the first special, we'll be including various other cues and themes from some of our favourite shorts by a variety of composers. There's a piece of music, actually, that I really uh, I really quite like. I hear it because I've seen the film quite a lot. Uh, you might be familiar with the film Analysis Paralysis. I've heard of the film. Um, I think uh, I've seen it's it. It's a pretty good one. It's uh, hopefully going to be out soon, but uh, keep your eyes open for it if you're at a screening event uh, okay. or some such. There's a piece of music in that that I've really enjoyed by Ephraim Lukinger, 
it's from a montage in the film. The film is about a guy who is, uh, I guess, sort of a bit of an obsessive and yeah. uh, very indecisive and constantly overthinks every scenario and every decision okay. to the point where his head kind of swells and um, he gets himself in a bit of trouble. And it's lovely. It's by Annette Melice, who is the woman who did the film The Kiosk. Um, and this film's been, you know, I think just as warmly received, if not more so. And I, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, so yeah, I thought maybe, uh, we could have a little listen to some music from that. Oh, sounds good. Excellent. This is from Analysis Paralysis. That was Anton M. Kaufhaus, composed by Ephraim Lukinger, for Annette Meliche's short film Analysis Paralysis. And we'll hear some more from Ephraim later on in this episode. You can check out his work at EphraimLukinger.com. So this episode's guest is Mathieu Alvado, a chap I've been uh, quite the fan of the last year or so. I think it was Encounters, where I first saw To Build a Fire at a Nexus presentation if I'm not mistaken. One of the first things that struck me about this film was just how sophisticated the music is, which isn't to diminish the animation or the direction by FX Gobi, uh, which is brilliant. You know, I mean, the film, it completely reels you in. It kind of, like, puts me on edge a little bit. There's a sense of uh, real despair, I guess, that uh, builds and builds and builds, and panic, you know. Mm -hmm. And a great way of putting that kind of feeling across in the music, you know absolutely uh, integral to that so since kind of looking him up and seeing he's actually done quite a lot of other animation stuff not necessarily films that have been immediately on my radar some stuff i just haven't happened to see yet yeah but uh, he's done a lot of stuff with the uh, gobelins which uh, of course the french institution that uh, is responsible for all those beautiful annecy interstitial animations and has an amazing general kind of student film output what I really appreciate about, you know, that school's approach is just how much importance they have, they seem to place on being good at animating, which sounds like a kind of glib thing to say, but there are some st schools these days are like, eh, make it look like you, you know, scrawled it on a piece of toilet paper, that'll be fine. It's about the art. Now, sometimes if it is about the art and the art shines through and is very powerful, etc., etc., it doesn't actually matter if the execution is, say, comparatively amateurish or lacking in the, you know, old-school fundamentals of animation. But if it doesn't have that, then those films can be really hard to watch. Whereas even a film that can be a little threadbare in the story, if it's animated well, can be watchable for that reason, I think. Or maybe even if like the premise is a little bit like traditional or old fashioned and not the kind of thing you would see, you know, expect to see in like the contemporary landscape of animation. If it's well made, then you can appreciate it for its artistry. Goblands, I think, really kind of pushes that element of it. Uh, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy what they do, and I, you know, I think that he's a great fit, Mathieu, as a composer. With uh, from having a look at the films that he's been involved with, we'll talk a little bit about that soon as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I figured this guy would be kind of up your alley as well, because from conversations you and I have had, you seem to quite like your sort of Thomas Newman-type composers that take the sort of tranquil, understated approach to the music, like really put effort into not overwhelming yes. or distracting from what's on screen. I think I think Thomas Newman has a good uh, sort of empathy, or sort of, uh, I'm trying to think the best word, best word to use. He's sort of respectful to the, the film's visuals, in a sense he doesn't try to overly explain things through his music he doesn't sort of spell out every punctuate every single thing that's happening but rather he uses music in, in a very different way um you know how you get some typical action sequences in films where the music you, you kind of expect it to turn out a certain way and it does 
Whereas what Thomas Newman does is he, he uses interesting sort of chord, chord progressions and developments in his music that isn't just basically mimicking what's happening, but instead it's, it's complementing it, if that makes sense, and, and being understated and letting the, the actual visuals shine through. Yeah. If you see where I'm going from. I mean, take the film, um, uh, an animated film, take, take Wally, for example, without the, without the music um, at the beginning, where there's no dialogue, and it's just him going around this, this sort of this dystopian Earth wasteland. It'd be quite quite dull. It would just be a robot that you know we don't know and don't care about at this point moment in time. Just just driving around collecting things. But yeah. just the music uh, that makes it wonderful. And I guess the character is quite you know chirpy and quirky and lovable. But but yeah, the music does a hell of a lot in that in that sequence. And it's a long sequence. The other film that kind of brings to mind, uh, like as a recent film, would be the Red Turtle which is completely wordless. That's a big ask of an audience, I think, like a silent film and a silent animated film. I've talked to quite a lot of people about the film and generally speaking, people have positive things to say about it. I really do enjoy it. I've seen it, I think, four times now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fourth time, I very rarely see any film four times, <laughs> you know. The fourth time around, I wasn't like, shifting in my seat or feeling bored or feel like it really does have such consideration toward the story beats and things like that. And the story actually kind of moves along at a pretty good clip. Mm -hmm. And I think in that sense, absolutely the music again, just contributes so much. It's a guy called Laurent Perez Del Mar. And yeah, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a gorgeous, and yeah, I've, I've been listening to the soundtrack quite a bit at work because it's just also just wonderful music. It's uh, Mm -hmm. Michael Dudokdewitt was talking a little bit at, uh, at Zagreb about the you know relationship with the composer and the back and forth and how he had certain things in his mind that were you know absolutely no go areas like he didn't want any vocals mm-hmm. in the music and so the composer kind of I from what I remember what he was saying the composer went away and kind of added some vocals anyway <laughs> just because he sort of had this idea in his head and he's like I'm, I'm sure he'll like this and he presented it to him and that's how it is in the film like it's this it's this very simple wordless melody line it's a motif that appears quite frequently throughout the film and it's it's absolutely gorgeous and i i think you know michael do dr wood heard it and was like okay yeah obviously that's staying in you know (laughs) there are things that you think about when you think of vocals in a score for a film you probably think more kind of like choirs or sort of um uh, vocal acrobatics like you'd get in sort of early Danny Elfman and things like that but just kind of people using their voice as an instrument but not like the main instrument just part of this overall mm. soundscape that can be quite wonderful I think I think there's something about a human voice as well in music um, not necessarily it doesn't have to be um, anything you actually understand as in lyric lyrical or anything like that but there's a, there's a quality to the human voice that um, it appeals to people's, I think, and when you hear it in music, it just sort of gives this gives this nice organic flavour that you don't quite get enough of with, with with instruments as such. But there's a certain quality that the human voice has that you can't attain with other instruments, and people seem to respond to that, and it just sort of feels right, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. But yes, yes, um, that that relationship between um, the composer and the the filmmaker is. Um, so important and it's important to have that empathy and be on the same wavelength so that you can both respond and understand each other's needs in the production process mm-hmm. actually not that long ago i kind of dipped my toe back into those waters oh yes yeah uh, do you know that laura beth has a film that's doing the rounds at the moment her uh, ma film obviously you know i was going to be helping out with that in various sort of areas so i'm kind of i, I kind of make noise all over it like i do the the sound and the music and these and the voices um these kind of nonsense voices and it was a lot of fun to do like it's a crazy little it's stop motion but it kind of has at times rubber hose sensibilities at times kind of very modern chaotic animation sensibilities so you do mean the your friend uh, boris norris film boris norris is yeah yes yes, yes i, sh- okay, I tr- should have probably yes. said that <laughs> No, 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 that's what I was thinking. I think, was there another one? But yes, okay. But yeah. uh, And that's doing quite well at the moment, I'm very pleased uh, to say. It's uh, going to be playing in Encounters and uh, the Smalls Film Festival in London and Montreal, which was one that uh, we were really hoping for 
like because that's one that she really 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 wanted to go to and she was really excited that it got in and it's happening the day we're getting married (laughs) (laughs) so we can't go uh so i think there was a moment where she was like can i call off the wedding at this point (laughs) (laughs) well at least you have your priorities right who you got animation at the forefront uh So yeah, I mean it's it's been doing well. But anyway, so I did the I did the music for that, which is just like a little thing for the credits. Mm. Um, fuck it, let's play it. Yes. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> if we're doing a music podcast show, um, this but this I'll I'll we can play this, but I'll I'll sort of say the backstory of this piece of music it came from I think uh, quite a few conversations about what kind of music would accompany this kind of film. It's a film that's kind of based on. These twins that used to live on uh, the island that she's from, who are kind of weirdos, and they would collect driftwood on the on the beach, and um, they were kind of like the local odd characters, you know. So that's sort of what the premise of the film is sort of basically taken from. So she wanted it to be kind of evocative of water and the ocean and stuff like that. And I think the initial note was something very SpongeBobby, mm, mm. and so I went through all of like the SpongeBob music cues and all of like the pieces of music they would play over like the episode cards and stuff like that, and put together a kind of facsimile piece of music mm. that uh, as like a test. And you're like, nope, like that <laughs> that won't work at all, because when you think of SpongeBob, you think okay, that's sort of like just general kind of watery music but then when you think about it it's actually kind of very hawaiian flavored yes which doesn't really suit a film that looks like it takes place in dorset <laughs> no I, I like i love what you've done with the music there um i think it's brilliant um and i also I, oh yeah i've i've heard and uh, you've got some sort of shakers and marimbas and things haven't you in there yeah we when in the end we went yeah. with something more kind of like sea shanty sea shanty yeah. like uh something that you could imagine pirates getting drunk to yeah and there are there aren't pirates in the film, but that just kind of worked more, I think, yeah. with the um, with the film. So anyway, let's let's, let's give that a, a listen. Awesome. There you go. That's the uh, the theme from Boris Norris, which uh, people can catch <laughs> at the Encounter Short Film Festival here in Bristol in September. Before that, it will be playing at the Smalls Film Festival uh, in August. And if you're in Canada, it's at Stop Motion Montreal on September. It'll be the weekend of the September 16th. I know it's that weekend. So <laughs> uh, the exact date, check out the website. Um, but it's a lovely little film. It was a lot of fun to work on. It was my first stab at doing rig removal for stop motion as well, which is something I'd wanted to take a crack at. It was actually kind of unexpectedly gratifying as a process. I thought, oh, maybe I could actually try and do this more, like actually apply for for rig removal positions, not really expecting that I would. Uh, Cut to now, and I'm doing rig removal for a feature, (laughs) which was completely unexpected. But there you go. You never know what's, uh, what's, what's around the corner. Going back to our guest, though. Now that uh, there'll be no more music for me, everyone I'm sure will be relieved to hear for this episode. Uh, we're going back to this episode's guest, Matthew Alvado. Mm-hmm. piece of music I thought uh, would be quite nice to hear to begin with, going back to what we were talking about, like the sort of Thomas Newman-esque type approach. Um, this is a film I haven't actually been able to see yet. It's called K-Notice. 
the English title, I believe, is Pearlies. Right, okay. And it's directed by Pascal Thiebaud and Gil Pinhero. Right. And it's about the Tooth Fairy. Or not, rather. Because uh, in France, I didn't know this, in France they don't have a Tooth Fairy. Oh. They have the Tooth Mouse, who I guess has a similar modus operandi, like sneak into your room, collect tooth, leave cash. You know, a growth industry for these trying times. I think that's a more plausible um, explanation, uh, Tooth Mouse, uh, Tooth Fairy. You could train a mouse to retrieve a tooth. No. But anyway, digressing. <laughs> so yeah, the film is uh, about a little Tooth Mouse uh, that may not be as cute as it seems. It's actually, from all accounts, kind of a dark film. Um, and other cues from Matthew's score certainly indicates that. However, an example of one of the more tranquil passages would be this particular piece. It's called Un Bon Petit Serie, which I think translates to A Good Little Mouse. So that was a piece of music from K Notice by Mattia Alvado. And uh, I guess we'll uh, crack on with the interview in a sec. So this is mainly predicated on having been particularly impressed with his work on To Build a Fire. So that gets a lot of uh, time and attention. But we also talk a little bit about his, you know, backstory, his uh, career progression. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who, you know, as a student, I'm sure was considered sort of like top of his class. Like he won a whole bunch of prizes. Um, he studied at various uh, conservatories. One, I think, what was the composer? Oh, Jerry Goldsmith Awards. You got three of those. Didn't you? Yeah, that's got to be a pretty, uh, pretty good thing to have on your CV. Yeah, definitely. Does animation and live action? Uh, I think it's been over fifty shorts at this point. You know, and he's, you know, he's just kind of starting out, really, in terms of the long game of his career. So, uh, definitely a guy to watch out for. So here's Mattia Alvado, composer for various films, including the Nexus film To Build a Fire. I grew up in a, in a small town in, in the south of France, and um, I, um, I think um, I was around 11, totally stuck by uh, Back to the Future. So I watch it and watch it again, again, again. I, I think I watched it, I watched it maybe 40 times uh, when I was 11. I, I, I loved some particular scene in the movie, and especially the one when Marty go back in the in the 50s. I realized that uh, that was the, the 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 first time you hear the the musical theme of the of the of Back to the Future, and. Um, then I, I began to to, uh, to pay attention to the, the, the musical scroll in, in movie. Then, of course, in Indiana Jones and Star Wars and um, Dances with Wolves and uh, Dead Poet Society, the, those kind of, of movie. And I also learned music. And uh, I was in a, in a symphonic uh, young orchestra. We played a lot of film music score. And that's how I... Um, I get stuck in, 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 in film music and I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to learn to do it, who, who to contact to, uh, to compose for. And uh, so I, I study uh, in, in the conservatory in, in Bordeaux, in the south of France. And then I, I came to, to Paris and I study in the conservatory, uh, in Paris Conservatory. And I tried to contact um, film school but that was weird because uh, I, I, I sent a lot of uh, emails to the film school to say, 
hey, I'm, I'm a composer, I study music, and I, I could work for free on, on, on your student's project. I will find some musicians, some sound engineers, and we, we all do that for, for free. And uh, I have no answer, if I recall correctly. And then one day on the, on the door of the classical composition um, department of the Paris Conservatory, there was um, a little paper where uh, a student from uh, an animation uh, school was searching for a composer. So I, um, I, I, I answered, we met, and I did a, um, the score for a, um, a student graduation movie. And then from that point, I was contacted to do a lot of animation movies. That's, uh, that's the way it, uh, it all began. So yeah, you said you were part of an orchestra earlier on, so you play instruments as yeah. well as right? Yeah, so it's a little particular because uh, I'm a saxophonist and usually there's no saxophone in the orchestra, uh, except as soloist uh, sometimes, but um, in the south of France we, we didn't have French horns. So uh, and a lot of saxophone players. So, so uh, the saxophonist played the, the part of the French horn. So it was a little bit um, awkward. But um, but maybe that's because I, I couldn't be a player in in an orchestra. That I decided to compose. That was the, the only way I have to be linked to a, a symphonic orchestra. Maybe that's the the reason. <laughs> and so yeah, since then. It's it's is it over fifty films you've worked on now. Uh, little, yes, around mm. that, um, fifty three, fifty four, some, something like that. So, uh, have a lot of them been animation, or are they mostly live action? Or yeah, um, I think in the last years um, there's more live action than animation mm-hmm. uh, than previously. But I have maybe thirty, thirty, thirty five uh, animation. The film school that you got in touch with initially, was that Gobelan or did working with them come later? Um, I started with uh, ENSAD, École Nationale Supérieure des Arts Déco. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was the, 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 the two first uh, animation movie. Then I worked with Superinfograph, Superinfocom, and then the Les Gobelins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so, and, and it's with uh, Les Gobelins that I worked the most. I finished one uh, last week. That oh, cool. <laughs> so I think I began in 2009 with the, with uh, Les Gobelins, and uh, it's been eight years. And uh, I'm I'm always pleased uh, each time the, the one of the students uh, asks me to, to to score for them because uh, they're really great and very open-minded to music proposition, and uh, they're always very kind. My first commitment with the with the, the Goblin that was the uh, 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 the frozen lake, if I uh, remember correctly, it was a, a beautiful one, and I, I suggest them to use a, a, a weird instrument that was the, the crystal bâché. That was uh, I thought it was a uh, it, it would fit perfectly to to their, um, the frozen lake, uh, the, all the snow. The, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Are there any major differences you found between scoring an animated film and scoring a live action film? Are there different approaches at all? There, there's some some big big difference um, in animation. Everything is very very meticulously uh, thinked in in pre-production. Mm. So there's always uh, a storyboard. Every everything is is thinked. Why the the camera is in this angle? Why the character moves from here to there? Why? Everything is, is, is thinked before the production. There are some changes, but it's minor changes. It, the, the editing don't move a lot. On, on live action, uh, a lot of things are, 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 are made in post-production. Mm-hmm. The editing of the movie can change totally. And I, I've been involved in feature films where uh, there was a first, uh, a first editor and the movie was like two hours. Uh, on 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 a on a feature, not not a short, but and then a second editor came in and uh, moved completely the the structure of the of the movie and cut maybe half an hour. So the the, the film is completely different and uh, it's it's a little bit perturbing for the for the composer. So because uh, everything you were um, 
thinking about is is not in the right place, so you have to change everything. So I like the the fact that in animation, the director has a, a, a vision of his movie. I think a little bit more than live action. You have live action directors who think uh, that in pre-production, there's mostly in, in, in case you have special effects, the science fiction movie, the adventure movie, those kind of movies are, are made a little bit like animated ones, but that's not the major case. It happened that uh, I've been involved in, um, in many live-action movies who are fantasy films, so they're done this way. But usually when I've been involved in, in social movies or more independent ones, it's not thing this way, so um, it's a little more confusing, I think, for the composer. And the other thing is that in animated movie, basically you can do anything visually. So it means musically you can go everywhere. Uh, and that's a real pleasure because I remember uh, I'm not fond of, uh, of opera, but uh, I've done a, a movie 10 years ago where the character has to, has to sing like a, an opera singer. And uh, I have to to uh, to go in 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 this direction. And uh, if it just have been myself, I I I wouldn't have been in this direction. But mm. uh, and and you don't usually have that in a live action movie. But in an animated one, you can have that. You can have uh, spaceships. You can have adventure films. I think it's more easier for the for the director to do that in animation than in live action. In live action, it would need a lot, a big budget. You, you, you have the, the kind of thing you can't, you can't have on on a short movie usually. Hmm. So that's the main difference. Yeah. It's it's quite nice that if a film sort of challenges you to do things you wouldn't do on your own necessarily, or you wouldn't have done in the past. Have, have any other films taken you out of? your comfort zone or, or inspire you to do something different? Yes, yes. It's basically uh, a lot of movies put me out of my comfort zone. And I think it's, it's better for me as, as a composer to, to do that. It can be a little bit weird to do um, a, a score that you have previously done. And I think it's, it's true for every composer. You, you, you don't want to to do and redo the, the the same thing again, and that's that's why animation is is great. I it's really um, not common that director asked me to to do the same music I've previously done. So mm. it's always uh, enjoying. Have there been any particularly positive experiences or films that you've worked on that stand out? Like they're really proud of the end result, or it was really positive working with that particular director? Oh, there's a lot. That, that would be uh, unfair to, to quote some, some directors and not others. And I have, I've been very, very lucky in the, in the, in the past years um, working with, for example, uh, Sam and, uh, and FX on, on To Build a Fire, but also with, um, on, on live action movie for, for the, the, the French production Metronomic. All, the, all this Production allowed me to uh, to work with big orchestra, which it's really really uncommon for for short movies. And last week, for example, I was recording with the with the, the London Symphony Orchestra at Abbey Road for short movies, thanks to some production. And I've been there a year ago with uh, FX Gobi and, and Samuel Francois Tenanger for for To Build a Fire, but also for another uh, sh animated show that was called The Inspector and the Umbrella, which is um, a, an homage to, uh, to uh, one of the Nine Old Men, one of Disney's Nine Old Men. Uh, I was there also for Metronomic a lot of times for, um, for, for live action movie. Um, and it's always great when you have production and director who, who allow you to compose the, the kind of music that is not usually asked to composer nowadays. And also who give you the, the 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 budget to do that the way it should be done every time. I, I mean, not on computer, but really in the in the in a great studio with a great orchestra, with great sound engineers, and uh, that's always a dream to, to to do that. And there's there's some some producer uh, who do that uh, in France, and I'm very lucky to to work with them. 
Some brilliant stuff there from Mattia Avado, and we'll hear a little bit more from him later in this episode. In the meantime, let's change tack a little bit. Wes. Hmm. Clitorises. Yes. Or clitori, perhaps. I'm not sure of the official pluralization. English is a strange language. Where do you stand on them? Where do you stand? You don't stand on them. That's a general rule, isn't it? Good answer. <laughs> Probably people who are familiar with the, the various squiggly podcasts will know where I'm going with this. One of mine and Laura Beth's <laughs> favorite films from last year is Laurie Malapart Traversay's Le Clitoris, mm-hmm. a wonderful little animated student documentary from Montreal. It's a film essentially about the plight of the clitoris against various patriarchies of various eras. Uh, it's really lovely. It's a very pro-self-pleasure film uh, and been very popular. Certainly it's one of the most popular pieces that we have on Squiggly looking at the back end. That might be because of the title. You never know. I, it's so weird, like the stuff that we see on like the, the back end, like the, the searches that take people to s- Squiggly. Can I tell you the weirdest thing I've ever seen? Uh, uh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> is Simon Tofield married? Oh, okay. Right. No, is Simon Tofield single? Simon Tofield. <laughs> so, As in the Simon's cat guy. Simon's cat guy. Like, uh, but, well, but this is, is a. Um, it's, it's, is, is he like a, a, a heartthrob of the animation world? <laughs> I, I guess people uh, like a man who likes cats. Does anyone hate a man who likes cats? I think it's it's reasonable to be suspicious of a man who has, like, a lot of cats. A lot of cats, yeah. Like, you might be training them to do something nefarious. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, yeah, Simon Tofield and Le Clitoris, two very popular traffic streams over on Squiggly. Uh, the Clitoris has been... It's actually out now online. It was released as part of the uh, CB Fest, which is a relatively new online platform for animated films at Amid from Cartoon Brew and Tundi from Click have been putting together. Uh, I think that's wrapped up for this year, but uh, if you want to check out some great films, you can look that up. Well, actually, I'll bring that up again in a minute, but Le Clitoris is one of the films in the first uh, in the first lineup. Um, as far as this podcast is concerned, I wanted to play the main theme of the film, which I think is rather splendid. What do you reckon? Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, have, have a little listen to that. Superb. This is Clitoris Magnificus by Montreal-based composer Eliazar Kramer. I can sort of imagine that playing at the start of Only Connect or something. Um, <laughs> anyway. Very good. I love that. It kind of reminds me of um, the Flower Duet, or the British Airways music, as they call it, in Anomalisa. <laughs> and you can check out more from composer Eliaza Kramer at soundcloud.com slash Eliaza Kramer. Now, for a bit of casual chaos. In the original special, we featured some music from Rosto's ongoing The Wreckers Tetralogy, specifically from the first film No Place Like Home, and the third Splinter Time. He's presently in production on the fourth, which I believe will be titled Reruns, so in the meantime, here's Lonely Bones, on which the second film of the same name is largely based. If you're completely lost, by the way, I suggest you check out episode 48 of the regular Squiggly Animation podcast, where I speak with Rosto himself and attempt to break down the complexities of his various interwoven projects. But in the meantime, let's have a listen to the song. This is Lonely Bones by The Wreckers.
Lonely Bones by The Wreckers. As intense as that was in the context of the film itself, it really is something else altogether. So I would recommend hunting it out. In fact, I wrote about it for the Ottawa Animation Festival's 40th anniversary retrospective of grand prize winners, Lonely Bones 1 in 2013. And I'll put a link in the stream if you want to learn more. I also write quite extensively about Rosto's work in general in my book, Independent Animation, Developing, Producing, and Distributing Your Animated Films, which is out now. In fact, it's recently been released as an ebook. if you fancy a budget option. Uh, I don't believe Lonely Bones, the film, is online in full, but it is available as the final two parts of Rosto's Mind My Gap audiovisual graphic novel project, which is at mindmygap.com, and his main site is rostoad.com. Now, something I'm already enjoying about the process of putting together this particular series is that it's led me to an assortment of animations I otherwise might have missed out on, as with some of Matty Alvado's work, as we discussed. Another example would be Pierre-Yves Drapeau, whose work I'm familiar with from a number of NFB productions, and as many of you are probably aware, I'm a huge champion of the NFB's output, but in reaching out to Pierre, I also learned of his work for Latvian director Vladimir Leschov, so in the coming episodes, I do hope to feature Pierre's work quite a bit. And to get the ball rolling, here's some of his wonderful music from the 2009 film Wings and Oars.
Some music there by Pierre-Yves Drapeau for Vladimir Lichov's film Wings and Oars. Vladimir would later go on to direct Rainy Days for the NFB, and more recently Waiting for the New Year. Uh, his films are fantastic, and you can check out lunohod.lv for more info there. And for Pierre's work, visit pydrapeau.com. Earlier in this episode, we heard some music from Ephraim Lukinger for Aneta Melici's film Analysis Paralysis. And he also worked on her previous film, The Kiosk, which is equally tremendous, and I thought it would be nice to hear a bit of music from that as well. So here's the main theme from The Kiosk by Ephraim Lukinger. So I mentioned the CB Fest before. Uh, another film that was part of this year's lineup was called The Inspector and the Umbrella by Mael Gormelan. There's a very, um, very specific TV show I watched when I was a kid, animated TV show, and it reminds me of that. That's come, I can't remember what it was. Um, just the, the style of the characters and the way they move. Um, beautifully animated. Love the music as well. Um, yeah, the animation, I mean, it's short. It took a few years to do... But yeah, it is very good. I mean, I think it was actually kind of independently made. And then, you know, has picked up some distribution, CB Fest and, you know, festivals, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, super old school, like wordless physical comedy, basically just a guy struggling with an umbrella. But um, the execution is sublime, as is the music yep. for it, composed by Matthew. Quite a stark contrast, actually, to the score for To Build a Fire. I'm sure everyone will agree. Yes. Uh, so why don't we give this a listen, and then uh, we can hear a bit more from Mathieu himself. Yeah, how do the um, French orchestras compare to something like the London Symphony Orchestra? Is it a similar approach, or is, do they have their own way of doing things? <laughs> yeah, it's um, well in France. First, we don't have the studios to record fifty, sixty, seventy piece orchestra. Um, mm. We have studio to record smaller bands. They are done to uh, to record pop music, not uh, not large symphonic scores. So uh, in London, you you have two studios. You have you have Abbey Road and Air Studios, and and that's always a dream to to go in one or, or the other. You have wonderful sound engineers and uh, the musicians. I think that they are involved in in your project 
the same way they would be involved in recording a James Bond movie or, or Star Wars. That's the kind of involvement you you you're searching for when you're uh, when you're a composer, and also there they can decipher the, the the music. That's really amazing the way uh, they do that. That's also the the maybe the the, the way music is teached in, in Great Britain. It's not the same way as in France. In France, we have a, a tradition to create a great soloist, and maybe in England, it's more creating great orchestras. Maybe the, the, the difference. So it's always, um, it's always a pleasure to, 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 to work with, with the LSO or, or the Philharmonia Orchestra. Um, you have a lot of great orchestras. <laughs> It is. It, it gives a very immediate impression when uh, To Build a Fire plays, among other films in a screening, uh, that music, that real cinematic yeah. depth to it. It really feels like it's, you know, from a feature. Would you say that comes from the studio environment or the orchestra attitude, or is that is there an element of the actual composition that was more, like, distinctly cinematic from your end? Um, I, think, uh, I think it's the free... I composed it this way, uh, thinking of a large orchestra uh, with a wide range. The, the, the main thing was that uh, you, you have this wonderful landscape. The first shot of the movie is a wonderful landscape. And I remember that, uh, that f first FX would like to have a Rachmaninoff piano piece, but uh, I have to tell him that Arachmaninoff wasn't in the public domain, so uh, we, we couldn't uh, arrange it the way we we, we would have wanted. So uh, he said, okay, okay, so let's compose something. And uh, that's the way I, I worked. I, uh, I proposed, I think we, 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 we talked and talked, and then I was composing the music, and uh, I changed a little bit uh, what we've talked about. And I was very afraid when I uh, when I sent him the the, the mock-up because uh, um, I didn't. It was the first time I was working with with Affix, uh, and um, I, I thought to myself, ah, "Maybe he won't like that. He won't like that." And uh, and he was very very supportive when he, when he listened to the mock-up. So after this this uh, this mock-up, we we had to to record the music with. Uh, a lot of strings, and um, and I thought that uh, recording at at air with the with the LSO would be the, the best solution. But I wasn't sure that uh, that Samuel Francois Stenager, the, the producer, would have the, the the budget for that. And it happened that yes, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, I think the, the the cinematic aspect of the of the score came from from the the, the free aspect that the, the, it was think when I was composing and uh, then when we recorded. How did the relationship begin with FX and Nexus, and did they come to you for as a composer, or oh, did you know him before? Well, um, that's funny because uh, um, I, I met FX uh, five years ago in a, in, a, in a French festival in the south of France. Uh, it's Aubagne. It, it's a, oh. a, a festival. I don't know if you if you know it, but it, it's dedicated to, to film music. Uh, it's the main film of the of the of the festival, and I was there to to represent uh, with the director Guillaume Rieu um, a movie called uh, Brain Sucker from Outer Space. Uh, and I don't know the. The, 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 the English title uh, in French it's uh, uh, L'attaque du monstre géant suceur de cerveau de l'espace uh, a, a very long title and FX was there for 
The Mysterious Disparition of Robert Ebb was also a, a, a kind of crazy movie. And then we were there and we, we met. We were the two crazy team of the festival. So uh, we, it was natural to, 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 to meet each other. And then uh, we stayed in touch, Fix and, and me, but uh, we didn't have the, the, the possibility to, to, to work together. He called me back uh, in 2014 when he was developing To Build a Fire. And that's the way we... we we worked. <laughs> to build a fire, it was based on a, a story, wasn't it? Like a yeah, a book. Jack London novel. Um, yeah. Did you were you familiar with the story before? No, I didn't read the, the novel. Maybe because I know that FX has had his vision of the of the of the movie, and I prefer to react to his images more than the the, the tone of the of the of the novel. Maybe if I read it before it. Uh, I would have composed something darker, maybe I don't know, because it's it's a it's a hard story. It's it's not uh, it's not sweet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly, how long did you have to actually do your part? Was it after most of the animation was done, or was it alongside the animation? Sort oh, of? Uh, no, I had to compose the the the, the first mockup before the animation, because to have some um, some funds. Some some uh, institutional funds. We 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 had to uh, to propose a um, uh, music, and you have to uh, to do that before the the shooting, before the the, the, the animation work. So um, uh, it's funny because I, I I did that based on some some images that uh, that FX gave me and some. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think he shoots some uh, some some uh, some movie of himself in the snow to uh, to recreate the, the 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 movement of the character to to have an inspiration for the for the animators. So uh, I think he, he gave that to me and uh, the images and his his vision of the of the movie. And then he told me after that uh, he gave the, the mock-up to every people who was involved in the in the movie to to give them the the, the tone of the of the movie. So that that's funny because it was in in both ways uh, we we he gave me some images and then he used the music to uh, to inspire the animators. So that's fun. Mm. <laughs> and then. When uh, the 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 animation was completed, he gave me uh, the the movie, and the editing didn't change. And then, so when the edit don't change, I can compose precisely to to the movie. It's it's always complicated when when the editing is is changing. And, uh, mm. So so I asked him to to give me the movie when the edit was uh, was complete. Do you uh, do you think you and FX will work together on another film? Oh yes, I hope so. Uh, that would be uh, that would be great. Uh, it, it was a very inspiring collaboration, and I was very very impressed by what uh, he and, and Samuel accomplished on this on this movie because they didn't have a lot of budget, but they used what the the, the, the money they had very wisely, and I know that. They try to have a top-notch production and have the, the best of the best uh, in, in, in terms of images, of uh, the ratio they, they used. It's, it's very special, it's very wide, uh, so they try to have the, the best movie. Uh, and uh, that's always the best team you can, you can work on, you can dream to work with, I think. It's, uh, it's, uh, they don't have a, a lot of money, but... That's not problem. We uh, always find solution, but you have uh, an inspiring team, and every everybody is uh, work to to have the, the best movie, uh, and that's the team I always want to to work with.
So thank you very much to Mattia Alvado. You can visit his website at mattiaalvado.com. He also is on SoundCloud, and you can listen to uh, those pieces that uh, we played today, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. Some wonderful pieces of work there. And to find out more about uh, the director of that film, visit fxgobi.com. And, of course, Nexus Productions, uh, I'm sure everyone listening uh, all knows and loves. Uh, yes, I think that's pretty much it for the first episode, the first proper episode of uh, Animation Composed. Wes, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Ben. It's been a pleasure. We'd like to keep this going uh, a little while, and uh, we'd love to hear from the squiggly audience out there, people who might have suggestions of conversation topics or uh, their own thoughts and insights into the relationship between composers and animation. Maybe they have some questions they want to ask. You know, maybe they're animators who have questions for composers or vice versa. Things like that we could serve as a conduit for. General feedback, of course. Uh, you can reach me at ben at squiggly.co.uk and you can reach Wes at... That'd be wesellard at gmail.com. Perfect. Look forward to hearing from you. Of course, if you're watching some animated films and hear a particularly nice piece of music you think we should showcase on this podcast, let us know about that too. It's what we're here for, and it's certainly what we're keeping our ears open for. Perhaps you're um, a student and you're not sure how to go about sort of getting music for your for your graduate film or something, and you know you need some guidance. Maybe we can discuss that. Maybe you've had a bad situation, that, you know, and you want to know how you could have done it differently, or maybe a very good situation that I could let us talk about, and we could sort of you know, explore those successes. Before we wrap up, uh, anything to plug? Well, I mean, at the, at the moment, Ben, I'm, I'm sort of working on corporate videos, explainer videos, that sort of thing. Um, I haven't been working on a, uh, a film for a little while now, so um, but that could change soon, possibly. There might be something around the corner, uh, or maybe revealed. In the meantime, uh, where can they find you online? In the meantime, you can find me at wesallardmusic.co.uk. Tremendous. And you're on Twitter as well? Um, on Twitter as well. Uh, so you go to, go to my website and you'll find all my uh, social links. Uh, will be linked from there. So, uh, yeah, so that should be here. And you can check my music stuff out at strulpeter.bandcamp.com. It's spelled like the old German storybook. Also, silverfish-pb.bandcamp.com. And soundcloud.com slash ben-mitchell. And facebook.com slash Creative. By the way, if you're going to be on Facebook, you might want to like the Squiggly Facebook page, facebook.com slash squigglymagazine. We're on Twitter also, at Squiggly, Instagram, at Squiggly Animation, and the website, of course, is squiggly.com. And that's all from Wes and I. Until the next episode of Animation Composed, let's end with some more of Mattia Alvado's soundtrack to The Inspector and the Umbrella. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>